Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, what's up, world? This is DJ JS1 of the legendary Rocksteady crew. And right now, you're listening to The Library with my man, Tim Einenkel. Strictly the real hip-hop. Peace. Fuck is you talking about, man? Spit that monkey shit, nigga. We gorillas, nigga. Ape don't kill ain't no. Spit that real shit, nigga. My next guest has worked with artists and producers such as Little Kim, Ice-T, M.O.P., 50 Cent, Redman, Jada Kiss, Nas, Mob Deep, the late great Sean P. P. Rock, Ninth Wonder, Kanye West, Bob Powerful, Forrest Timberland, and many, many more. He's known as Dan the Man, and I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Einigo. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. How did you get started recording, producing, engineering, mixing, mastering, and a sound designer? I, was, I used to live in Connecticut. I started in the basement, you know, with a, with a cassette four track, trying to find anybody that did anything musically to record. And uh, when I stopped going to college my mother said you need to find something that you could do with your life and I found a school that did um, audio recording and engineering which is uh, what is it IAR okay and uh, I moved to New York in uh, the winter of 96 went to school and that's where I started was a lot of before the school was a lot of the stuff you're doing to self-taught yeah yeah how much do you think the school uh, taught you you know from what you knew how would you think the school actually like more without crapping on the school? <laughs> yeah. You know the school. The school is really good. Um, the school, especially at that time, with with all the studios that were in New York, the school taught you the language and uh, gave you the the information you needed to know to get into a studio. If you went to a studio to to get an internship or they wanted to know that you knew what you were talking about or, you know what I mean? But even when you do go to school, the majority of what you're going to learn is going to be hands-on. Right. You know, they're going to tell you, this is a compressor and this is what a compressor does. But that first time you actually look at the compressor and you got you to gotta feel it, you got to touch it, you got to know what's going on. But the school was great because it taught you the language and it looked good on the resume saying, oh, you're going to school for this? You must be serious. Right. We'll give you the internship. Do you remember the first record track uh, you mixed in, in the basement? But also, do you remember the first record track you mixed, I guess, quote unquote, in your professional career? Uh, definitely don't remember the first record I mixed uh, in the basement. Um, what was good about... When you intern and you stay in that studio as much as possible, you get to 
you know, get to get your hands on and on the downtime, get to do your own thing. So I brought a few artists that I was working with in Connecticut up mm-hmm. just to get my, you know, my feet wet and work on some things. So it was some artists that I used to work with. But one of the first records, I can't remember, it wasn't on his album, but it was like a independent like a um, soundtrack thing, but it was a cool G rap record that probably never came out. And he wasn't there, but they came in with a record, and that was one of the first records I got to mix. What was that experience like? I mean, if you're, I know he wasn't there, but there's always this imagination. What does like you go in, you meet, or you listen to like a hip hop legend, right? Yeah. And you're like, how do I not fuck this up? And, and you know, I mean, for me, that would be like, how do I not fuck this up? Like, I mean, what was your approach to this? Um, like I said, luckily I've been I've been doing a lot of my own thing with with artists that I knew just just to to get my my chops. But um, yeah, you're like, holy shit, it, is that Koji Rap's voice that I'm <laughs> listening to? You know, but. Um, you just try your best, and I, I'll tell you a story real quick. It's funny because that was on the humble. That was like a, a favor kind of thing. But I remember I was doing recording, and, and um, I got a call from Ludline, and it was a friend of mine that I that I met through the studio, and they asked me to mix a record for an album that was coming out for a soundtrack, and I didn't feel like I was ready yet, mm. so I, I turned it down. It was like. I don't. It was the weirdest thing. It was like you want to do everything that right. comes your way, but like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. But like after after that cool G rap thing and more things, then it was just like, okay, I'm ready. Was there fear that you would you turn something down and it kind of like people wouldn't see you as like the go to guy for things? Or was that ever in consideration? This was very very early, but it was like it was more fear that it wouldn't be up to par and then I wouldn't get a call back. Ah, uh, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, I wanted to make sure, like, especially for that caliber, like for a major label or a major release that I didn't want to screw my name up. You yeah, know? Yeah. I didn't want to do the mix and then they'd be like, yeah, well, that was garbage and then they never call you again. <laughs> right. So I turned it down. So I'm, I'm going to wait till I know I'm ready. All right, we're in your studio now. What is your ideal studio setup? I mean, I, I know the... The artist records behind the glass, but are you back here? Are you listening with headphones? Did you just have the monitors blasting or on? What is the? How do you monitor a studio setup the best way? I go through the speakers. At the end of the day, for for what we do as an engineer, your job is to make it sound good coming through the speakers. You know, and I feel like that's that's how you're going to hear it. If, if I mean, I've done headphone situations and wherever, but. At the end of the day, you want to know what it sounded like coming through the speakers, how it feels coming through the speakers. So I got to keep those speakers on. Uh, so what do you, what do you, I guess, what are you doing when the artist is recording? Are you, do you work with artists that you have to like make eye contact all the time with so they don't feel like no one's listening to them? I mean, like, so radio, I used to radio, I used to board up something and we had a host that you'd have to look at the host all the time or they would stop talking even though you're not the audience right. they would just stop talking and you're like why is there dead air and then you look at her and then she would start talking again Okay, uh, is that a situation that happens with artists as well or yeah I mean every artist the, the, the one of the best things about this job is every artist is different and you gotta really learn the artist but 
good contact. It's, you don't necessarily have to look at them all the time. A lot of time, I'm I'm looking at them through the the signal. But you just they gotta feel that you're there. They gotta feel that you're into what's going on. So yeah, sometimes you gotta look at them. Sometimes you gotta give them a dirty face. Like what what was that? Or, you know. But you gotta make you have, a good, you have to have a good contact with the artist because. If they don't think you're into the record, then they're not going to be into the record. So I like to make sure, you know, we, we're eye to eye, even if we're not eye to eye. Producers and artists, they come in and I, they seem to usually have ambitions or goals with this track they're laying down or they want to put together. Um, so how do you, as the engineer, sound designer, how do you ensure that their mission is coming through. I mean, are you guys having a conversation prior to actually laying down the track? Uh, what is it like post-production? Um, so how do you ensure that they, that you're making sure that their goal with the track is coming through? A lot of it is before they even get in the booth. You know, you put the you put the beat on. You, sometimes you'll I'll get them to, you know, sing me the song or spit the verse before they go in. And then just so you're on the same page, you know where they want to go. And then do what you can to, to help get them there and beyond, which is the most important thing to me is like, I want I want to feel, I know how you want the record to sound, but then my job is to take it to the next level. Right. Like, okay, this is what you want. Let me help you get it even better than that. But... A lot of times it's just go in the booth and let me hear it and, and we'll work it through. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, you go to your website and your discography is just, it's a hip hop and R&B. Um, so prior to this being your career, what kind of drew you to this music and this culture? Man, fifth grade, Beach Street on TV. Gino. Changed my life. Uh, I had a friend. Uh, I had a friend in, in school when I was that young. His bro, his older brother was a DJ. And I told him about the movie, and I'm like, yo, yo, they're, they're rapping, and and, and this this was like the '80s, so it was like it was brand new, especially in Connecticut. It wasn't in New York. It was so accessible, but in Connecticut, like you had to really dig and find right. for that. But his brother, he gave me like a mixtape and Slick Rick and, and Dougie Fresh. And it was just really, it's something that I really just connected with. And then I just ran with it. I mean, I love all music. I had aunts and uncles that were in rock bands. And but it was just something about hip hop that I really connected with and, and enjoyed. When did you start listening to, because there's two ways to listen to albums, right? There's like as a fan, but then as a mixer, engineer, sound designer. When did you start when did you start listening to albums as you as an engineer? Like uh, do you remember which album you heard and you're like, I wanna kinda be able to recreate that sound. Oh man. Anything the bomb squad did. You know what I mean? They didn't do the NWA album, but like 
listening to like NWA albums, Public Enemy albums, the the early Ice Cube stuff. It was just like, wow, how are they doing this? Like, right. This is amazing. There's like 10 different records inside this one record. And that really got me going on, on more of production and trying to understand how the records worked and how they did that, you know, as opposed to more of a... Uh, Run DMC album, which is just like drum machine and a, and a cut. But when I started like the Bomb Squad, that's one of the main reasons I'm here. I want to talk more about like roles in the studio, right? Um, you know, as mentioned, you not just work with artists, but you also work with producers. So, but when you have a producer, let's say like a Kanye West, who's also an artist, yeah. does, does his role, if he's coming into a project as just a producer, does someone like him also throw in his artist hat? And if he does, how? What is your job there? Like, how do you kind of collaborate or make sure all these parts are working? If the producer is now also trying to be the artist at the same time. You, you got to let them do what they do, you know, as to me as the engineer, you're, you're the you're the driver of the train, you're the operator, you're, you're making sure that the creativity of what's going on is being captured and you got to really, you know, you don't really set a tone. Sometimes people need that, but more times it's. You put the the artist or the producer in a space where they can become them and do what they do. So sometimes being an engineer is taking the lead and saying, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, or just letting them do what they do and capturing it. You know, that's that's really what being an engineer is, is capturing the creativity. One of the great artists you've you worked with and who obviously like lyrically is amazing seems like I've never met him, but he'd also from what people say he seems like the funniest person in the world, uh, is the late great Sean P. Sean Do you remember your first interaction with him? Do you remember what your first kind of conversation or meeting was like with him? And then what was the also do you remember also what was the first track he laid down for you? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know the exact first track, but I first met Sean, I was working on the, the Chosen Few Boot Camp album, and Hullet, this guy is hilarious, and uh, he tried to sell me a two-way pager. <laughs> but that was the first, that was the first time I worked with Sean was on that, that Boot Camp album, and I was blessed because right after that we started on monkey bars and it was a whole it was literally like a, a 180 it was you know what I'm saying it was Sean it was it was still like Ruck on the boot camp album and at the start of monkey bars he just turned into a whole different artist Pete my words I'm better 
better with mine. Sean Price, remember this time. I'm all at draw tap, Paul Gregory Hines, strapped for the wall. I got the package of raw in the ass crack of this hall with the passenger door. Y'all niggas is whack and it should be And it was great to see somebody. This is, this is post working on that. You didn't really see it at the time, but like just totally reinvent themselves as an artist. It was amazing. Is he the, was he the type of guy that when you're, I guess, mixing down the final product or putting, little, you know, putting little things into it, is he the type of guy that's more hands-on and is in studio with you, or does he kind of let you do what you do? Or do you, I mean, you, I imagine you build this trust relationship, right? Yeah. So he, does he let you do what you need to do? At first, you know, Sean is on your back, pause. Like, what is that? Don't do that. Right. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> but... I was blessed again, like, I did, I did, as far as Sean Price albums, I did every album, and as we got further, it got to be more like, just, just send me the record and let me hear it, you know, if there was a problem, he let me know, but that's the game, it's like, let me do, let me do this so that there is no change this mm. afterwards. Uh, on a track such as Black Dynamite featuring Sean P and uh, Buckshot, yeah. where, where you mastered, mixed, produced, recorded it. Uh, what was the creation process like there? And then kind of, same question, is is that something where Sean and Buckshot are in studio with you, kind of seeing what's happening, or are you just kind of bouncing the track by yourself and then sending it to them? I'm going to try to do this the right way. <laughs> um, like the Black Dynamite track is something I did with, uh, with Ninth Wonder. Um for that, do you remember the movie? Okay, so the movie was coming out, and they were, they needed a track for the for the soundtrack, and it just wasn't working the way it was. So I took it and I kind of like did like this remix, like I revamped the whole thing. And it's funny because Sean had already laid his verse before, so I that was what I had, and I built I built what I did to the record around what Sean did mm. and then Buck came in and did his verse after that was done but Sean told me he was like yo I hate when people take my verse and put it to another beat but you killed that oh wow yeah that was that was tough is that the only track you've kind of ever done that for Sean or oh uh, I did one more on uh, the boot camp album I forget which one but it was uh, what you see. I think we did that. That that's something somebody produced and they didn't want to. They didn't get the track from the producer, so I took it and I did that the same thing. And then honestly, on his new album, we did a lot of that. Peck, peck on burning that neck. Big breast, I'm a wreck. Let's have some sex. Yes, yes. Uh, Titty feels the best now. I can hold no, no, no. Yo, what the fuck? Speaking of the new album, you're you're working on it now. It's coming out. It is done. It's done. It's August eighth. August eighth. Nice. One day before my birthday. Nice. Man, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Um, how, what is uh, first of all? What is your role on this album? But second, uh, obviously Sean's not here to see the completion of the album. How do you? How are you? How are you ensuring that kind of? It would get the Sean P stamp of approval. Like, how do you know? I mean, I know it's like years of friendship, but yeah. How? How? What are you? Are you doing anything that like 
making sure that this is going to Sean will love this album yeah um, first of all Bernadette was with me every second you know and, and nobody knows Sean better than Bernadette so Bernadette was right with me we had uh, his right hand man Rem who was with him for the past few years you know Ruck Down um, I also made sure you know what I'm saying my partners that that have been with we've all worked with Sean such as you know C4 uh, my partner Giambi gotta shout Petro out these guys have all been around Sean for the, for the whole time and you gotta know Sean you gotta you gotta feel you gotta keep that pressure like he's right behind you like you know you know Sean would be like what the fuck are you doing what is that that's trash why did you do that you, you gotta kinda literally say that to yourself like what would Sean say to me right now now what would Sean do or what would he say right now? And if he would give you the oof, that's what you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely Bernadette. She knows. And, and not to go spiritual, but like, Sean was there. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything that I did, we had, we, we had the elements to put it together. But I felt, you felt Sean right there saying like, yes or no. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah, imagine like a lot of it is kind of just a feel, right? Like yeah. you just kind of know. I mean, even when producing a track or building a track, it's like you press a button to play a beat, not because it was in your notes to be like, all right, I'm right here. Just kind of you feel that coming to you. Like, all right, this is it. This is what this exactly. piano perfectly right here. So. Exactly. I'm the shit up in my hood. I had three wishes. I wish that a nigga would step to the guard. When guard step, I step on your squad. Imperious Rex, the best definition of God. I swing things hurting. God body, a.k.a. the King James Version. Playing my shit at the same time, hating my shit. Don't play with me, bitch. I make your bitch play with my dick. You've obviously worked with many greats. Uh, you've also worked with uh, Mob Deep. Uh, on Hell on Earth uh, Can you talk a little bit about what your role was for that album? What I love about that That was one of um, One of the first albums I got to assist an engineer on um, I've been a part of I've been a part of a lot of great albums In a lot of different capacities And growing through my career That was early um, It was my second internship uh, at, a, at a place called Axis Studios and I started there, and then a few months later, I got hired as an assistant, and uh, they were working on Hell on Earth. Like, right right there, and then right after that, it was uh, the CNN album. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a lot of great music going on in that place. But it was it was, it was was really cool because, hell, have you heard Hell on Earth? Yes. <laughs> you know, you got to see a lot of great engineers come through, uh... The sound, the sound of Hell on Earth was something totally different, you know? I think that changed a little bit of the game mm-hmm. of how it's, of sonically how it was. But um, I did a lot of assistant engineering on that. I did a lot of, lot of changing two-inch rails on that. <laughs> Do you know when you're doing these albums that just because your ear has obviously grown as you worked in this business and heard more records do you know when an album will be considered a classic like or when it's or when it's this sonically changing the game 
do you know as it's happening or is it like 10 years down the line oh shit we just changed the game you know yeah I think it's a little bit of both sometimes you can you, you feel it you're like holy shit you know uh, I worked on Big Pun's album you knew that that was that was game changing mm-hmm. just the the entertainment of it the, the feel of it the energy it was something different you felt that you know but even like a, a Monkey Bars uh, Sean's first album I didn't know it was gonna be accepted the way it was right you know and, and, it, and it was I don't want to say a fear I can't speak for everybody else but it's like this is his first solo project nobody knows how they're gonna accept it you know you know nobody and so that's that's fun too to see after it's released and, and you gotta give it time too people be like oh I made a classic you don't know if it's classic <laughs> you know you gotta wait and see well, can you play this album five, six, ten years later and it still hits the way it did when you first did it that's a classic right not I just recorded this classic album like you don't know Last thing with the younger generation, right? Everything's a classic. Like, yeah. right off the bat. Legendary. Yeah. Classic hit. You know, like, you don't know. You gotta, you gotta wait for the people. The people tell you that. Man. You know, you can, you can feel like, yo, this is amazing. You get that feeling sometimes, especially on certain records. Like, to me, music is magic. And if you feel the magic, yeah. there's something special going on. If you gotta, like, you know, accentuate like and talk about like, yo, I think this is then maybe it's not there. But you gotta wait for the people to tell you that. Right. That's the hardest part, I think. Watching an artist and as an engineer, you're part of that because you're creating it. You're like you're co writing it, you're you're co producing, you're you're helping make what they're doing and you're just as nervous, like how are the people gonna like this? Will Flex drop a bomb on them? <laughs> you're waiting. But when, but it's a great feeling to see when that does happen. Uh, I want to talk more about some of the producers you've worked with. Um, you know, worked with Timberland, Swiss Beats, Kanye West, as I mentioned, Ninth Wonder, a boatload of people. When you work with them, is there kind of like a single characteristic or something about what they're doing that makes them kind of a great producer versus like a producer that you might work with where you realize? I gotta produce this thing as well because they're not gonna they they have no clue what the hell they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me use Pete Rock as an example. Um I love Pete and uh we work well together. We had a little differences in the beginning when we started working on uh, the first Smith and Wesson album, but then we worked on a bunch of projects after that. And there's there's this moment sometimes where it's just like whether it's when he's doing the drops or when he's looking for a, a, a sample filling or a cut and it's just like you just see and it's just like holy shit that's P-Rock you know when you work with some people more on a regular basis they're just people you know mm-hmm. what's up how you doing like Pete I love the Dallas Cowboys Pete hates the Dallas Cowboys we go back and forth all the time it's like a regular you know Right, right. Talk. I hate the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry. That's Sorry. okay. <laughs> Most people do, especially in New York City. I'm Washington. I'm a Washington. I grew up Washington fan. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Interviews over. <laughs> <laughs> Drop mic. But um, 
But there's these moments where you just realize you 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 get out of that. You like leave the the studio world, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's Pete," and that's why he's Pete, right? Or a Swiss. Uh, I watch. I, I love watching Swiss come in. The Swiss comes in with a record, eighty percent done. You know what I'm saying? Has the concept, has the hook, has the ideas, giving you the feel. And by the time he's done giving you the sale, all you got to do is write two, two or three sixteen bar verses, and you got yourself a hit. Right. These guys all have a special characteristic that makes them who they are. Timberland, um, Pete, uh, Easy Mo B, like they all have something that just really is special about them. That some producers just don't have. Some producers just make beats. Mm. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of records I've done where the producer never set foot in the studio. So he or she just sends the beat. Yeah. And then what do you do? I mean, what is your. I mean, you, so they say, Dan, you're engineering this, and then. Who says that? The email, I guess. I don't know. Whoever said, you know, like, but then what do you, I mean, so that's, so that was actually one of my questions is when that happens, because there's so much talk about producers versus beat makers, right? Yes. Um, Let's do that. When you just get a beat maker sending you who says he's a producer, but not, what role how does your role change in the studio? I mean, does the artist also become the producer? Do you just become the producer? Do Does everyone who ever's in the room kind of take the producer's hat on? What happens? All right, well, 90% of the time, it's just me and an artist in the room. You know, an artist in the booth, and I'm in the control room. It varies. This, this came with time. It wasn't like I stepped in my first session and was doing this, but, like, I'm producing the records. You know, I... I'm I'm old school. I, I learned a lot from watching old school um, records and how they were made and stuff. And and at the end of the day, the record producer's job is to produce the record. Right. You know what I mean. And that and fuck from a, a a modern standpoint, but that was from that was from choosing what microphones, what preamps what musicians, you know what I mean? Like, they might not have wrote the song, but they're the ones getting the guitar sound on the amp. Uh, decide, you know, the, you're producing the record from start to finish. That's my description of a record producer. You know what I mean? Someone who's coming in here directing the artist. That's a record producer. Right. If I email you a beat, that's not a record producer. Right. You know what I'm saying? You made the beat. Hip hop, I think, changed that status. Some of it, I think, is like if you, if you look at um, like a Mob Deep, you know, saying "Rest in Peace, P." Mm-hmm. Um, Havoc is the producer, but he's in the group, right. so he's got a, he's he's helping design the sound. P Rock, CL Smooth, Peter's the producer. He's in the group. Uh, you know, we could, we go on and name all the groups or whatever, but I think you got to be in the room from start to finish to call yourself a record producer because when they put the record out if you could say that I started here with nothing and then this is what I came up with then you produce the record so I started taking it upon myself to do that um, direct the artists do that again change that line I don't like your tone today you know uh, like yeah. It comes with time, and it comes with trust with the artist as well. But 
that's 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 what I do. Because well, I also imagine, like, if I'm an artist and I get a beat, uh, I would want, in my world, I would want to know what the person who made the beat was having had in store for, like, the concept maybe behind the album, or kind of like maybe lyrically what he or she wanted. I mean, is that is that normally is that happens usually, or is that kind of am I in a fantasy world of my own I got, no, craziness? And again, it all it all varies on. Like I said, like with a Swiss, Swiss will come in and, and give you the record. Right. This is the concept. This is how the video is gonna look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Swiss is a salesman, man. Like it was amazing. Like he comes in and the record. Oh, if and you're gonna love the record because you know what I mean. Like yeah, the yeah. energy is crazy. The, the beats on ten, he's in your ear. Like this is what it's gonna look like. This is what you're gonna be wearing. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> give me a pen. Right, right. But but sometimes that's the artist's job as well. The artist is the one that's like, oh, I like that beat. I can I can visualize what I'm going to do on there. I've seen it all. I've seen the producers come with the concept. I've seen producers not even show the fuck up. But... Again, as an engineer, you're like the you're the captain of the boat. So it's like you got to feel like some artists they know what they want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, your job is to help them make that come to fruition. Like, oh, you this is what you see. Let's make that happen. Oh, you want to sing on this record and you're not a singer? Let's see what we can do. Let's try it. <laughs> right. You know, and let's try to make you sound as good as you can. When you work with actually, when you work with an artist that has that ability to sing. Um, are there? I'm asking a few plugins or uh, questions, but are there kind of beats or instruments or just plugins that you would never, that you won't use? Um, like a Faramanch, I think has a great ability to do that, uh, sing as well as. I mean, I mean, obviously there's like the cocaine's out there and everything, but Faro has that ability to do that. I mean, are there stubbing like an instrument that you would never kind of use in a Faramanch beat? Um, because it would clash with his voice. An uh, instrument, an ins- or, or just like, or something you would plug in wise that you would never kind of that you would kind of stay away from. That I don't use auto tune. Oh. I refuse. If people ask me to pull auto tune, I, I don't have it. I don't do it. Um, I know it's the the, the rave. You know, it's the it's the wave, but I don't do it. If you sing, sing. Right. You know, if you rap, rap. That, that's that's it to me. If you if you can't sing, then find a singer. You know, and I get it, and I respect. You know, what I'm saying like that. That's what you do. I just like certain people come up and use those kind of plugins to to. I don't sing, but I got this plugin that makes me sound like I sing, and it's like okay, cool. But there's a, there's a that's there already. Like, don't try to be that. Right. Don't do. When they come in and they're like, yo, I want to sound like T-Pain or I want to sound... You're already messing it up because there's already a T-Pain. There's already a Future. There's already a Lil Wayne. Like, why do you want to... You can't, you can't be that. That's already there. Right. So I don't I do not do that. Yeah, how much is your role to kind of... Because that's the thing. Like, you would have all these artists. Like, like, like the whole point of when hip hop was developing, rap music was developing, you would have, well, there's already an Alo Kuja out there, so let's, you know, sounds like something else. You know, like and, and you know, DMC talks about it, like how they, there's already this group out here. We're we're not trying to sound like them. We're trying to sound how much of your now, and especially nowadays, how much of your job is to kind of push the artist to actually sound different and not 
whatever the hit is out there. At the um, time. I tried my I tried my best. You know what I'm saying? Like in this day and age, there's a lot of artists that aren't really artists. They're, for lack of a better word, posers. You know, with, with the with the the Instagram and the Facebook, they want to look like artists, but they're not serious about their craft. You you know an artist because they're the ones that don't want to sound like somebody else. They're the ones that have their own sound, their own feel. They're a Sean Price that comes in and is like, fuck what everybody else is doing. Fuck what everybody else thinks. I'm doing what I do. Right. And that's what pe- I think that's what people respond to the most is when you have something different, you know? But something, I mean, at the end of the day, artists want to try what they want to try. I, I push. I'm like, yo, why would you want to do that? There's already that. But at the end of the day, you're paying for the studio time. You right. do what you want, but I don't know if we'll be working again together. <laughs> when you have artists such as like a Cool G Rap, who's obviously Queens, New York, and then like Ice T, who's West Coast, um, is there for sound design? Is there? Do you have to approach a West Coast artist and an East Coast artist two different ways um, in terms of how the final mix will sound or what you're going to use in those mixes? Absolutely, and it's not even just East or West Coast; it's every artist. Especially with the with the legends, like they have a sound that they've had for years, and it's like and it's worked. Right. So it's like you don't want to you don't mess the formula up, you know. But what did Ice T call it? The dust. <laughs> gotta gotta put the dust on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and, and uh, an artist like G Rap, just you just want to see the face. The, oof, the, you know what I mean? Like. Every artist has a different thing that they're looking for, but definitely I think the East and West Coast things, like, it's just the sound. It's just the way they grew up. It's what they listen to that help shape what their sound is going to be, the the ideas that they have, the the samples that they pick, the the dust. Speaking of ice, I asked, so I asked Ice prior to our interview if he had any questions for you. Okay. And first he wrote... Dan, he's good. So that was one. But then second, he's like, ask him about how the music business has changed since you've been in it. So how has the music business changed? The business, I mean, more of the business side, but how has the business changed since you've been... Since in, I started? Since you started to now. Oof. And then I guess how has that affected the, the music creation process as well? I mean, there's so many different ways to approach that, but I, I, I'll approach it as far as in the studio. Uh, when I When I first started... Like I said, you know, you're loading up two-inch rails, uh, aligning tape machines, and and technology has changed so much where it's just so much easier to record, which to me is a good and a bad thing because, for instance, I use Pro Tools. You know what I'm saying? I'm a professional engineer. I use Pro Tools. I feel like... Pro Tools now caters to consumer uh, a consumer market, right? Which is kind of an oxymoron to me. Like you're supposed to be professional, right? You know what I'm saying? Like when I was blessed, the studio that I was at in the late '90s was one of the first. It was Axis Studios. It was on 54th Street, right above uh, Studio 54. Luckily, the guy who owned the studio, Francois, was a nerd and on top of all technology. And we literally got the the multi-track um, Pro Tools 
first. When it first came out, when you went to the studio, you had to rent because the tape machines were in the studios. So you had to call Dream Hire or Jim Flynn, and you had to rent a Pro Tools rig if you wanted it. We were one of the first studios that had Pro Tools in the studio. So it was a blessing for me because I got to learn every day on it. And um, like I said, it it changed the game because it saves time. Uh, I was just talking to somebody about mixing sessions. Mixing sessions sometimes took 12, 15 hours per record. But a lot of that was patching, changing rails, rewinding. If you did a take, if you did a take with somebody... A three, let's say a three-minute song. Let's just say you did one takedown of ad-libs or whatever, and you got halfway through the song, and you're like, ah, oh, let me do that again. You had to stop, and it would take a little while to rewind the tape <laughs> to get back to where you were, where now it's just space bar, go. Right, right. So these little things all add up, and it's just so much time saved. But like I said, I feel like now... Like I look at a lot of these um, like newer plugin plugins for Pro Tools, and they're designed for people who don't know what they're doing. Right. It's just like the kick plugin, hard, soft, you know. And it's just like it, it's 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 cool. It's like it's it's fun for people who really don't know what they're doing, but. It's creating a false sense of I'm an engineer, right? Because I could put the the setting on hip hop kick, right? You know, you don't know your frequencies, you don't know how to get the compression to to act the way you want it. So I think in this example of how the business has changed studio wise, it's it's created a false pretense. You got to really find somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, the greats like Bob Power. Tony Maserati. These guys are geniuses, you know what I'm saying? They know what they're doing. They don't need it. They don't need to put the the sounds good plug-in on. <laughs> how do you th- I mean speaking of plugins, how do you think that also like 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 if an artist knows that you could punch, right? Yeah. I mean, how does that how does that affect their delivery of a lyric if they know like, well, I fucked up here, whatever. I could just, you know, Damn, or just punch me, you know, punch me. And how does that, how does that dynamic work? That's that's that varies per artist. But I tell you, I mean, you've seen, you've seen a list of artists I work with. I work with a lot of great lyricists, and a lot of these guys won't want to punch, mm. and I respect that. Because at the end of the day, if you can't deliver the verse on right here, how are you going to perform it? Right. You can't punch on stage. Right. Right. You know. But um, at the same time, pun. We'll punch every four or five bars, you know? So it varies per artist, but I really respect the guys that, no, let me do it again. Let me do it again. I work with Murder. Um, we do 25 takes. Because a lot of times, to me, your best takes come in the latter part of it. To me, my, my biggest pet peeve is is when I'm working with newer artists and they go in and they and they rap all the way down and they be like, yeah, double that. I'm like, and you don't even listen back to what you just did. You just slurred like half of your words, <laughs> like you stumbled, like you don't even want to listen to it. So I really respect the guys that don't want to punch, want to do it again. 
And if there's a part that, you know, like I'm getting hung up on this one part, okay, we can punch. And then normally right after we punch and do it, they want to do it again anyway. Right, right. But like I said, with the, I mean, you can punch on two inch, you know what I'm right. saying? But these guys that just want the easy way out, I don't respect that. Like, uh, Lastly, what is, you've been doing this for a while and you've obviously worked with incredible list of MCs and producers. Uh what is your favorite thing about what you do? Like, what gets you up in the morning and have you come into the studio to, you know, engineer, record? The love. I, I love what I do. I love, I, I've been blessed. When when you first start, you gotta, you gotta do anything you can to survive life. You gotta pay bills, you know what I'm saying? This is a job as well. But I've been blessed to be in a position and be able to choose who I want to work with. So I, it's it's getting to make great music, you know. It's it's having the opportunity to to make history, you know. Like some records, when people come in, might never get heard, but some albums might be classic and and be playing for the next thirty forty years, and and that's amazing to me, you know. I, I love I love coming in with the opportunity to make history musically. You know what I'm saying? You you may do it that day, you may not. But that's, that's what it's all about, is making something that's going to be amazing, that the people are going to love. And more important, that, that you love. Like, I love this song. I love this album. You know? But the opportunity to, to, to work with amazing artists, amazing producers, good, and also good people, you know, that are that aren't even in the studio, you know, the promotions guys and, you know, people that, that, cause it takes, it takes a whole, it's not just one person. It's not from, from the artist to the producer, to the engineer, to the intern, to the, it, it takes everybody's work and energy to make a record amazing. He's Dan, the man, check him out more at Dan, the man, com. A new Sean P. album coming out August 8th. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tim Einicke. Thank you very much, man. Bing bong in your face. Murdered the bastard. Emergency surgery plastic. Face reconstruction with the eight heat and something. Touch you bad when you hit with the hard hog. P. My knuckles drag when the guard walk. I ain't old school. I ain't new school. I'm a dropper with the tool that pop out. I'm the shit up in my hood. I had three wishes. I wish that a nigga would step in the guard. When guard step, I step on your squad. Imperious Rex, the best definition of God. I swing things hurting. God body, aka the King James version. Playing my shit at the same time, hating my shit. Don't play with me, bitch. I make your bitch play with my dick. Hey, the King X Rock, the wrist none hot, y'all. Rhyme better than me. Nigga. Nigga, I'm not in the play with Kneel down, kiss the ring I'm the king I rock The risk none hot, y'all I'm better than me Nigga, I'm not in the play with God body, aka the king James I used to just one straw Behind my mom's back And she lived on the first floor Her jaws, I hurt your feelings Feelings get hurt Gun burst and earthy ceiling Big, big Appetite for destruction, savage life might strike and die, give you front, give you front. Write something, never polite, ignite the mic, 
Like sight, something new to recall. Rapping that you cute for a girl. The early you do, now you beat the Duke of the Earl. Listen, don't make dollars, it don't make sense. I agree, make dollars, dumb balls don't make sense. The education is all bright. Dedication to medication and all nights. Smoking the pancake, no focus on a lot of dope for a handshake. Uh, the king X rock, the wrist none hot, y'all. Fuck round better than me. Nigga, nigga, I'm nothing to play with. Kneel down, kiss the rings. Uh, the king X rock, the wrist none hot, y'all. Fuck round better than me. Nigga, nigga, I'm nothing to play with. God body, aka the King James version. The crown, the crown, the crown is mine. The crown, the crown, the crown is mine. I'm not your friend, dude. Don't talk to me like that. The friend thing? We're not friends. Well, we're not friends. Be clear on that. Clearly, we're not. Stephen A. Smith voice. Clearly, we're not friends. Clearly. Being my friends, as a nine, as a ten, as eleven. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.